Welcome to the season 31 finale. I believe this is technically episode 16 or 17 or 18, but uh, it's technically 16. For the Jungian sexuality uh, season that we've been doing for the podcast and here on the YouTube channel, one woman is not enough. This is the season finale. I uh, decided to actually cut the season short because the remaining episodes that I had planned, uh, they're actually going to be rolled into something else uh, in the near future, and uh, which is awesome. Um, and uh, But before I do that, I would like to announce the uh, C.S. Joseph Discord server is back as part of the announcements at the beginning of this episode. So yes, if you'd like to join the Discord server, for those of you who missed the Discord server experience that we had, you're welcome to do so. I'll actually provide the link right now uh, for you guys to use. Uh, let's see here. Um, I'm just gonna copy just a random one that will actually expire and it will be placed uh, here in the uh, chat. And you can enjoy joining the Discord server. Just note that it's a three-step process. The first step is you have to verify your account. This means whatever account you verify with us, if you get banned, you try to make an alt account, it will also be banned. Good luck getting back into the server. And also, uh, you have no choice but to agree to the code of conduct in order to join. And then afterwards, you have to manually choose your own roles and gain your own roles. Follow those three steps, and you are welcome in the Discord. So, uh, which is cool. That's an important uh, thing. Uh, also, uh, if you haven't made an account with Ucha yet, I recommend you do so, so that you guys could potentially get grandfathered in. Access to that account uh, is uh, in the members area at csjoseph.life forward slash members. <laughs> My INTJ son is uh, pretty cute right now. So yeah. Um, and where has CSJ been? Uh, well, I mean, like, I, uh, I broke my foot. So, yeah, that's what happened. Hey, buddy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I broke my foot. Uh, I broke it due to uh, Krav Maga. And uh, uh, after getting elbows in the face and knee in the face, uh my foot got nailed pretty hard and my foot is broken. So I'm out for six weeks and can't train anymore. So it is what it is. Yeah, that's not going to work at all. <laughs> He's so excited. He wants to be on camera too, like his daddy, of course. Gotta love that ESFP side. Right, little man? You like that ESFP side? You all smiling. You're just trying. You just want to be on television. That's not going to work. You can't be on television. He's like, watch me, daddy watch me you can't make me you can't make me do anything i don't want to because when you're not looking i just do what i want anyway yeah he's uh, eight months old and uh taking steps then falling after one so he's learning how to walk right now pretty uh pretty fast especially since uh my other children didn't start walking until about one so he's uh quite ahead that little man so anyway so, uh, welcome to the show, season 31, episode 16, One Woman Is Not Enough, the season finale, starting at technically 3 minutes and 53 seconds. So, um, society is 
basically plagued by a disease right now. It's obviously, you know, we can talk about general diseases like ignorance, the disease of ignorance, but society right now, modern society is plagued by a horrible disease uh, known as feminism and the uh, feminine primary social order, which is literally destroying families, destroying the nuclear family. And as a result of that, uh, we have record cases of loneliness uh, in both uh, sexes than we've ever seen in our entire life. And that's pretty sad. It's, uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, in fact, I was actually talking to a friend of mine uh, whose mother is 43 years old. She is alone and uh, she doesn't, uh, well, uh, she's a very big woman and uh, is really suffering and struggling uh, in her life, basically. And looking, because they're an NJ, looking for attention from other people when that attention should really be coming from a man in her life, for example. But because of the circumstances in her life and the suffering in her life, she is actually definitely not happy. That's one of the things that, you know, people have to come to terms with is that, you know, this feministic society, everyone looks to it to find, uh, you know, happiness or the American dream to uh, find happiness of some kind. But the reality situation is that it's nothing more than the American lie. It, it really is the American lie. And uh, a lot of people put too much hope into the idea of, well, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to get a job. And then they they think that, you know, hey, you know, especially women, let's, let's spend all of my fertile years on having my career so that when my fertile years are completely used up, then, you know, I'm not actually going to have the chance to become a mother at that point in time because younger girls are getting all the attention from the men and they can no longer compete within that market. A very, uh, a very uh, difficult prospect to say the least and something that I hope that we all go out of our way to avoid um you know, causing our uh, daughters and future generations to suffer from this blight upon society. It's definitely ridiculous. Now, one of the reasons why is because of a myth, a myth, a myth that everyone believes in. And it's called the soulmate myth. I've talked about it many times within season 31 here, but the soulmate myth is in effect that, uh, oh, there's the one, there's the one for me. There is no one in relationships. There is no one. There's no one for you. There is no Prince Charming. There is no perfect woman. There is no perfect man in your life. There is no such thing. That's, it's bullshit. It's not accurate. And a lot of people seem to have forgotten that when it comes to our race, that only a very small percentage, not even, not even an actual percent, not even half a percent, not even 0.01 percent of our race's existence has love been the priority when it comes to sexual relationships. They just don't understand that. Because nowadays, people talk about love being, um, you know, the prerequisite before people get married, but it used to be love only actually came as a result afterwards, after being married. That's how it was for eons and eons and millennia, multiple millennia for our race uh, throughout its history. A lot of people today think it's as a result of our, you know, we're more evolved than we ever were before. No, that's not really true. I mean, crop tops, for example, were not invented for women. They were actually invented for men. Think about that. 
the person who invented uh, hormone birth control was not invented by a woman. It was invented by a man so that he could have more sex, basically. That's why it was invented. Women didn't do that. Men did that. Uh, maxi pads were actually invented by men, not women, for example. But due to the soulmate myth, this myth that's been perpetuated by mostly the Catholic Church and all of its, uh, you know, variants, including Protestantism, etc., and it's slowly infesting uh, the Muslim world as well, has continued to uh, decry and demonize and basically separate and segregate uh, the sexes from each other in a big way. And... Uh, it's, it's, it's led to the destruction of the family, and it's ultimately led to fatherlessness, which is the whole entire point of why I'm even bothering to talk to you people, or even why this YouTube channel exists, or this business exists, or this podcast exists. Fatherlessness is the number one cause of all of the social problems within our decadent society. Because fathers aren't around, little boys end up in jail, and little girls end up on stripper poles. Great. That's, that's an amazing society to the point where we now have Durham University in the UK actually training girls on how to become better sex workers as like a degree. Like that's, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You know, and then, and then people tell me like, oh, well, you against sex workers? And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not. They can they can go be sex workers all they want. If, if women want to have their OnlyFans, if they want to go be sex workers... They absolutely can go do that. But if they ever get to a point in their life where they want to be a mother, if they want to actually be a wife, if they want to have children, well, that's not going to be for them. They're just going to have to make that decision. They're going to have to understand that when you're a sex worker, you're going to have to have that kind of commitment, that you're basically not going to have the opportunity to become a mother or become a wife at all. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, thing is, you know, it's, it's like, it's so funny to watch how, you know, women want to keep their Instagrams, for example, and keep showing off their body on their Instagram profiles when they're in sexual relationships uh, with men, basically. And it's like they still have a for sale sign when the reality of the situation is a man just committed to this woman, a man just bought himself a Lamborghini, but he still has to let other people test drive the Lamborghini. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's wrong. It's wrong in so many ways. And a lot of women just don't understand that this is exactly how they're making men feel. They're making men feel like objects, nothing more than paychecks, people that are supposedly to serve them. But that's not the reality of the situation. So the soulmate myth has become this serious problem. Little boys are conditioned into believing that there is this one perfect woman for them as much as little girls are conditioned to believe. And we can all thank Disney for that. We can thank Disney for perpetuating the soulmate myth. We can thank any form of religion or church, except for Islam, uh, for uh, perpetuating the uh, soulmate myth. But the reality of the situation is, folks, it is a myth. It's not accurate. It is bullshit. It is absolutely bullshit. Uh, if you don't believe me, well, read chapter one of The Rational Male by Rollo Tomasi, as that is the absolute best explanation I've ever read that explains that. Um, but but who, who exactly benefits from the soulmate myth? You know, oftentimes you'd hear, you know, NTJ women, especially, especially INTJ women with their FI child idealism, who I just have no choice but to mock 
because of how ridiculous they are. Where they come to believe that, oh, you know, one man's all I ever want, and uh, that's all I ever need, and that's all I'm ever going to expect in my life, you know, so just one at a time, and yet they are completely denying their own hypergamous nature. Their sexual strategy of them looking for beta traits in a man or alpha traits in a man, and most men, 99% of men, can only provide one or the other. So while they have one, they're pining for the other. And this is what ultimately causes women to cheat, especially INTJ women. INTJ women who oftentimes have almost no body count because they keep themselves as virgins quite long, or they're the first of all of the types to lose their virginity and have the absolute highest body counts, sometimes in upwards of the thousands. Kind of like, you know, Madonna right? After one of the books that she published, she had already, she'd already slept with a thousand men. What a hoe. She's definitely not uh, mother material by uh, any, uh, any stretch of the imagination. And those that would make her a mother, you know, those who uh, like to play Captain Save-A-Hoe, those that, uh, you know, uh, think that you can turn hoes into mothers, hoes into moms, or hoes into wives, it's just, you know, yeah, those fools, I'm sure they'll definitely enjoy making Madonna the mother of their children. I'm sure that'll be really effective. Yeah, I, I can see it now. But who exactly benefits from the soulmate myth? Well, I guarantee you it's not men. And I even more guarantee you it's not women. It's not women at all. Who benefits from the soulmate myth? Well, that is the bourgeoisie, the elite. They benefit. They benefit from perpetuating the soulmate myth. Because it's their belief system, which is pretty much outlined by the Book of the Law by Aleister Crowley. Uh, it's also outlined by uh, Malthusianism by Robert Malthus. It's also outlined in Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike. Also the writings of Manly P. Hall and the writings of Elena Blavatsky. These people maintain that, you know, if you make babies, then you are a threat to the earth, you're a threat to ecology, you're a threat to your own common man. Whereas, you know, when you look at it from a biblical perspective, uh, mankind was commanded to be fruitful and multiply, to make babies, basically. There's even a prophecy given to, um, to Abraham, known as Father Abraham. And that prophecy is that, you know, after, when the uh, earth reaches a certain population, well, that would be the end of the world. Uh, and uh, to see uh, the great day of the Lord, essentially, according to the Jewish tradition, right? Uh, well, in an effort to uh, prevent that outcome, it's mightily you know, convenient uh, that the people that have these belief systems, and I'm not saying I share these belief systems at all. I'm just saying this is what other people believe. And if you like to live your life uh, disregarding the beliefs of other people, you would be foolish because don't forget that the beliefs of other people directly affect you and directly impact you every single day of your life, including your own socialization, including your own conditioning. The reality of the situation is, is that the elite does not want you having children. And wherever possible, every aspect of this decadent Western society is structured in such a way so that babies are not born. This is why girls are conditioned into spending their most fertile years on a career instead of actually being mothers because we need to make sure that everyone across the planet is in a negative population growth. They do not want positive population growth anywhere. Especially when I was a kid, the population of the earth was 6 billion and now it's 8 billion. 
and they're very, very afraid of all of this exponential growth, decrying, you know, loss of resources and other things. But the reality of the situation is mankind already has the means, the mental capability, the technology, that if we decide to work together, we could actually solve all of our problems. We could actually easily solve hunger. It's, it's, it just requires proper systems uh, to be put in place. Uh, we, could, uh, we could solve an energy crisis very easily. Uh, just look up um, stifled or um, hidden technology or technology that's been uh, definitely removed or hurt, like how companies buy other companies who have technologies that compete with them just to shut them down, for example. It's kind of like how Kodak tried to buy digital camera companies so that they could bury that technology to keep their own relevance, etc. Like, if you don't think that happens, that really does happen. You know, lots of technologies get stifled throughout, especially when you have great inventors like Nikola Tesla, who could literally pull out electricity from the air, for example, and basically produce an unlimited access of energy available for anyone and everyone across the planet, as well as his really cool death ray and whatnot. But the, the point is, is that we already have the means to solve all these big crises of resources. The thing is, is that the elite would rather just create a, um, a false narrative to say, oh, we lack resources, so overpopulation is the greatest threat. No, overpopulation is not. No, it is not the greatest threat. So, but they think it is. And every aspect of our life is so that basically babies are not even born and that when they are born, they have an extremely high risk of not making it as a child. The most dangerous place for a human being in uh, the United States of America is the womb. If you think about that, and that's pretty crazy, but that is the most dangerous place for a human being to be. And if, for example, if babies do get born, then we need to make sure that uh, babies are not raised by their parents because parents may have different ideals and different things that disagree with those in power, disagree with the elite's narratives that they like to teach. Therefore, we need to make sure that we're printing a bunch of money, right? We gotta love printing all that money and devaluing the dollars so that people are working for less and less every single year. That box of Cheerios that used to cost $2 when I was a kid now costs $9 in the store right now. It's really insane. And people's wages are not increasing. They're not increasing at all. It's just that the buying power of the dollar continues to drop. And now it used to take just one provider to provide for an entire family when it comes to engaging in the monetary system of the Federal Reserve or the monetary system of Western society, basically. It took just one adult income to provide for what? Up to nine children. Now it takes two and a half incomes, adult incomes, to provide for one child. That's ridiculous. That is completely ridiculous. And again, this is because society wants to make it so that, you know, because they understand that, you know, biologically, if there's not enough resources, if there's not enough resources, people will not procreate. So we need to artificially reduce the buying power of the dollar so that it looks like there isn't enough resources to produce children. When the reality situation there is all along, it's just their bullshit money manipulation tactics that are doing this. That's all it is. It's all a lie. This is the reason why the dollar is actually not on the gold standard. That's the real reason. Not that anyone would ever tell you that, of course. So this continues to be a systemic problem 
across Western society and is becoming a bigger problem within Middle Eastern society as well as Eastern society. And I'm talking China and Russia simultaneously. It's becoming a serious problem. It's probably the worst problem of all within uh, Australia, given that uh, Australia kind of legalized internment camps uh, recently. Uh, but that's another that's another uh, story entirely. But the point is, their goal is to prevent you from having babies. And if you end up do having babies in some capacity, those babies are to be raised by the state because the state, because the society is set up so that you as parents are forced to work and continue to work. That way, you have no choice but to put those children in school, which it's legally mandated that they are in school, for example, so that they are raised by the state. And haven't you ever noticed that school culture, you know, the same culture that is within schools, the culture that teachers have and their little affiliate bullshit, little FJ, I can't be criticized because I'm never criticized by anyone. And because I'm never criticized, that means my ego investments are being enabled by society, which means I'm more right than everybody else. And because I'm trying to do the right thing, that automatically gives me authority over everyone else. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is it any wonder that teachers end up running school boards? For example, teachers shouldn't be running school boards because confirmation bias, because they're biased, because they're being enabled. They need to have people like regular parents in the school board telling teachers what to do, not the other way around. You know, why, why should you allow the schools to rule themselves? That's ridiculous. Uh, where's the oversight, for example? You know, it's no different than city hall. It's no different than counties. It's no different than state legislatures, the state governments. It's no different than the federal government. The federal government, the culture within the federal government is identical to the culture that you would find in the local high school. In terms of, well, we have a process for that. Um, you know, we're just going to suspend people anytime they want. We're going to make sure that we put you on ADD or ADHD medication because you're different and you don't fit in with society, right? That, that pretty much that pretty much sucks sucks don't it so this is the problem this is the problem if you want somebody to hate then i suggest you hate the school culture that you hate the school system that you hate the system by which your children are being manipulated socialized gaslit conditioned into worshiping the beast known as the world system known as society because it's not like you can raise them yourself it's not like you can afford to homeschool them yourself it's not like you know even women these days are even encouraged or much less supported or even want to homeschool their children. And it's not like they could afford it anyway because it requires 2.5 adult incomes to raise one child anyway. Ridiculous. Try, try, try running a household on two minimum wage jobs that are full time without having your children being raised by society. What happened to multi-generational families, for example? What happened even to the nuclear family? We've moved from a child rearing system you know, a parental nuclear family-based child-rearing system to a child support system where we've completely outsourced parenting and everything to the state, not like people have the choice because that's the only choice they don't have. That's a problem. So how is the soulmate myth enforced in society? It's enforced by a religion, and if you don't comply, you're excommunicated, you're exiled, you're ostracized from your family, community, society itself. 
I remember the day that I told my family that I was a polyamorous, for example, and uh, they threw me out of everything. They wouldn't have anything to do with me again. And ever since that day, they've judged me ever so harshly ever since. I'm not even human to them. I'm not even a real person to them. You know, I'm, I'm a mistake to them. I've lost my way. Okay, whatever. So the soulmate myth is enforced by religion. My parents are very religious. It's also enforced through economics, which we discussed. Buying power of any fiat currency goes down over time due to printing and inflation. And this is all intentional to make it harder for you to raise children and pass on what you know and potentially your rebellious behaviors, you know, in order to prevent that rebellion or civil war could ever happen in society ever again. We got to maintain control. So we got to keep everyone working like the cattle that they are so that they can't raise their children unless those children rise up and challenge the state itself. And the other way the soulmate myth is enforced in society, abortion. But we already discussed that. So who suffers? Who suffers from the soulmate myth? Mostly men. End up as victims as hypergamy, high stress, poor health, lack of happiness. The fact that a woman can decide at any moment whether or not he's fit to be a, a, a father of his children. Or the fact that a woman, if she's unhappy in her marriage and doesn't have enthusiastic sex with her man, can always claim rape. Wow, that's, that's pathetic. If a woman does not have enthusiastic sex with a man, it's automatically rape. Great. Great. That's just fantastic. It just, it just continues to be insanely ridiculous. You know, It's not to say that women don't suffer too. They certainly do. They end up with high stress, poor health, lack of happiness, just like men do, uh, lack of fulfillment in their lives. All of a sudden, those NTJ women, when they're 37 years old, oh, I wish I, I wish I was a mother. I wish I didn't spend so much time in my career. Because it's like, yeah, like, you know, just remember when you leave your job, no one's going to remember you. No one's going to miss you. No one cares. But if you have children, they might miss you when you die. But I guarantee you those people that you worked for, they won't care. They don't give a damn about your legacy. That's just reality. Your children might, though, depending on how you raise them. They might care when you're gone. They might miss you. So you need to be aware of these consequences, folks. Everyone suffers from the idea of the soulmate myth. And the soulmate myth only exists to serve the bougie people, the bourgeoisie people, the elite that's all it that's all it exists to serve so that their society which keeps making them rich and making you poor you know it stays in power because it's not like you can raise your children children that could potentially rebel against the system later you know they elect themselves the true parent of your children and guess what this has been happening for generations so whether or not you're aware of it or not if you are watching this live stream you are a child where the elite is your daddy, the elite is your mommy in reality. And so is your parents and their parents. It keeps going back, keeps going back. And you won't be able to escape it unless you wake yourself up and realize what's actually happening in the world. You ever hear of the United Nations Agenda 21 where they're putting fluoride in our water? Fluoride is toxic. It reduces your lifespan. There's just a report that went out a couple of days ago about 340 plus different toxins in average tap water within the United States of America. Tap water, if you drink it, you foolish. You probably shouldn't drink that. 
you are shortening your lifespan, which is what the elite wants. Because if for some reason you actually do have a baby, they're going to go out of their way to create such a toxic environment for that baby that eventually that baby's lifespan is reduced and eventually dies anyway within their life. Don't you all enjoy being treated like cattle? Don't you love that? Don't you think that's amazing? And chief among them, chief among, you know, how the soulmate myth is ultimately enforced in society is one thing had to go. One thing had to go. And it's because of some biological issue, a biological problem that uh, they didn't know what to do about. And that is the male sexual strategy. We've been talking a lot about the female sexual strategy, but the male sexual strategy. They had to deal with it because that was the most dangerous thing of all. It was the most dangerous thing that could threaten society itself. It means that there could be way too many children for them to have to condition, control, uh, gaslight, manipulate, and cause those children to be cattle that serve them. And that is the male sexual strategy known as polygyny. So what, what, how, do, how do we define polygyny? How do we define that? God, I hate notifications. All right. Um, define polygyny. So, the condition or practice of having more than one wife at a time. A mating pattern in which a male mates with more than one female in a single breeding season. Do you guys know that it's breeding season right now? Um, in quarter four of the year, basically uh, between Halloween and the end of January, those, that three-month period is breeding season for human beings. Most people end up getting pregnant within these months and end up having you know, summer-born children, for example. Pretty interesting how that works. Uh, or, or, yeah, summer to fall, late summer, early fall-born children. And that's you know, why it's because the winter time or late fall, winter, early winter, that is, um, that's mating season. That's human mating season, right? Polygyny is the greatest threat to the elite. Polygyny is the absolute greatest th threat to the elite, and it has to be controlled. It has to be prevented. Because biologically, women, as we've discussed earlier, women are far more valuable biologically than men. Men are the disposable sex. The reason why is because you cannot repopulate the earth with 100 men and one woman. It, it just can't happen. Um, but you can repopulate the earth with one man and 100 women. And because of that biological importance, uh, polygyny is a huge, huge threat because one man could potentially impregnate a bunch of women all at once, and then all of a sudden there's a bunch of children, and those children could be hard to raise, hard to gaslight because there's such a sheer volume of them, and then it could threaten the system itself. And then all of a sudden you got civil war on your hands. You have rebellion on your hands because you weren't there to teach those children how to not challenge you and to teach those children how to be cattle, for example. So polygyny, the male sexual strategy, is the greatest threat to society. It is the greatest threat to the system itself and should never be allowed to come back. Because if it did, our society would collapse inevitably. And they can't allow that to happen. Not when the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, right? It's all about babies, folks. It's all about babies. 
polygyny. Let's talk about polygyny a little bit. So what is, what, is, what does polygyny look like? Women, they want, they want a quality man. The ideal man that satisfies the hypergamy of a woman, their sexual strategy is a man who has alpha traits and beta traits simultaneously, where they're able, able to provide security, you know, provisioning, parentage, and protection to the beta side of a woman's hypergamy, as well as all of the alpha fitness, uh, mental point of origin uh, traits of uh, leadership traits, even physical strength uh, traits of the alpha male, and all in the same man, that is what the ultimate man is for a woman, basically. And as a result of that, you know, that needs to be known. But polygyny, men don't necessarily care about a quality woman. They care about quantity of women. This is why uh, the most popular, most powerful men in history have harems. That's just what is normal for them. Quantity of women is more important than quality of women to a man. Because just because a man is in a sexual relationship with you don't mean that he's not looking at every other woman that he comes into contact with. And he's assessing them within one to three seconds of their sexual viability to him. And that's reality. And that is biological to men. That is the male sexual strategy. And because one man could potentially impregnate a bunch of women, you know, and because the elite understand hypergamy and understands, you know, beta need, for example, the elite needs to support women, you know, providing for themselves. Because then all of a sudden, if all women are able to meet their own beta side of hypergamy, that means only 20% of the men out there are actually going to be having any sexual relations, which means only 20% of the male population is producing babies which means that's a lot less babies being produced on top of the fact that they got fluoride in the water and there's no buying power in the dollar. And those are just some of the thousands upon thousands of examples that have piled up where society is organized in such a way to prevent babies from being born. And if they are born, then they are to be conditioned by that society to support society. And also their lifespan will be reduced. Don't believe me? You need to look up the quote, complete lives system. So you can have a complete life under Cass Sunstein, the regulatory czar under President Barack Obama. You might want to go check that out. Yeah, everyone suffers from the soulmate myth. The soulmate myth is just another method of control. Just like, you know, the function of the one in the matrix was just another form or method of control. Just like the function of the one in terms of the soulmate, the soulmate myth, the one, the perfect one, the one for me is a lie. And you're all believing the lie. The reality of the situation is that one woman is not enough for a man. That's a fact. There's a lot of reasons for that. So we're going to be discussing those reasons right now. One woman is not enough biologically for a man because polygyny um, and women are biologically built for polygyny they're biologically built to support polygyny there's this thing called the bachelor effect uh, that's at least what uh, a phrase coined by mr An andrew ryan who is ultimately a pickup artist as much as he would uh, you know claim that he isn't but he is a pickup artist uh, but really the scientific uh, term that you can look up it's called mate choice copying women have this thing uh, called 
mate choice copying. And just because you're a woman in your late 30s right now, be like, oh, I don't do mate choice copying. Yes, you do, or you did when you were younger, okay? Oh, I didn't do it when I was younger. Well, then you were probably fat and ugly at that point in time, and you weren't even considered an option for men to mate with to begin with. So you might want to be aware of the circumstances from which your judgments are coming, by the way. But what is mate choice copying? Mate choice copying is uh, women know that their bodies expire. They know that their fertility goes away. And it's all inside of them, inside of their, the back of their head, that they know around 30 years of age, they're not going to be able to produce babies as well as they were able to before. And then when they hit 26, 27, 28, they have the epiphany, oh crap, my looks can no longer compete with younger girls. And they see guys that they want go for younger women. Then they go on this dating frenzy of trying to get with a man uh, so they can get married still in their 20s because the majority of women get married at 29, lol. So they can at least claim that they got they still got married in their 20s, ew. You know, so that when they're 30, they don't feel like a spinster. They don't feel like they're, okay, yeah, I'm expired now, but at least I got married, lol, right? Time to settle down and have children, except their fertility is going down 20% year after year when they hit 30, which is known as the wall, basically, uh, when they are expiring as women. And ho and hopefully they didn't waste all their time on, you know, their career and actually do have a family and actually do have children. So they don't end up cat moms or dog moms or horse moms, for example, by the time they reach uh, 40 years of age, where basically no one will want them except 60-year-old men. Congratulations. You played yourself. You didn't even know it. But of course, you know, you played yourself because the elite within society has set it up for you and it's set you up for failure. And it's not your fault that your daddy bought that. But guess what? It's your responsibility. You know, it's like my dad would say, definitely my fault, but it's your problem. Fix it. I'm like, great. Thanks, dad. Mate choice copying. So women don't have much time and they know that they don't have much time uh, with their fertile clocks expiring. Uh, because uh, women basically expire a lot faster than men do, basically. And uh, because they know their fertility will expire at some point in time, they don't like wasting their time with a man or with the wrong man, basically. So they, when they see other women with other men, those other men are basically vetted for them. They're pre-vetted. Oh, that woman sees something in that man. Okay, so automatically the mate choice copying instinct inside of myself is going to desire that man because I see other women or he is with other women and they've already been, he's already been vetted by those other women. So it's a little shortcut that I get to, you know, I, I get to take the shortcut so I don't have to vet him for myself, right? And of course, all the NTJ or all the masculine women right now, when I say this, are all cringing when I say that. But that's reality. You may not be aware. Oh, that's right. Masculine women are the least self-aware of the 16 types. That's right. Especially the ESTP ones. Oh, man. And the ENTJ ones. So not self-aware. But especially the ESTPs and the ISTPs. Oh my God, there's, so, there's no FI to be self-aware with. There's no SI to be self-aware of right? So as much as they like to disagree with me, sorry, you can't disagree with me. And I don't care how you feel because my feelings, your feelings don't actually matter when it comes to the facts. Get over yourselves. Because the reality of the situation is if I spent one day and every, and like, or I recorded your entire life during an entire day, imagine me going through it second by second with my TI parent and nitpicking everything to prove that you're actually wrong. But, you know, you'd have to get over your little ego investments for that.
oh, God help you if we, you know, go get past your ego investments. What is wrong with women? Oftentimes I find them that they, that they would rather live in a fake heaven than the real hell. And believe me, folks, I always will choose the real hell over a fake heaven any day. If you want to be plugged in the matrix, that's on you. But, uh, you know, you might not want to be around when my existence challenges the matrix itself. And you're plugged in. What are you going to do then? So, mate choice copying. It's a definitely an instinct. And the fact that women have this instinct, it proves that they are biologically compatible with the male sexual strategy of polygyny. Women are pre-built biologically, instinctually, to accept a man having multiple women. It is only a new idea that has been sowed into the collective unconscious of man through the by the elite, through religion and economics, to get people, and, and through force of law, basically, to get people to not make babies. And that's why y'all may disagree with me. It's only for that reason. There's another reason why women are not enough biologically, because they menstruate. And technically, biblically, having sex during menstruation is a form of sin. Men end up getting exposed to a lot of diseases when it comes to sex during menstruation. So it's not okay, and it should be avoided. This is why in uh, Jewish culture, very early, when a woman was menstruating, she would not have any sexual relations with her men, but their culture respected the male need to have sex. So another one of his wives, who was on deck, basically, was actually in the batter's box, and he would have sex with her while the other one is menstruating. This is very normal. Wow. That was in ancient times? Okay. Here's another reason why one woman is not enough biologically... When women become mothers and they have children, they naturally prioritize their children above their men. And their children is the higher priority than their man. Versus a woman who does not have children or her children who are already grown, then they can prioritize the man again. So, for example, if a woman gets pregnant from the time that she is pregnant through the time that uh, she gives birth and the time that she's breastfeeding until the child is technically weaned, that entire time in ancient times... Those women would not even have sex with their husbands, not even one time. And it would be up to the other women in his life to do that, not her. Think about that. Here's another thing that causes, you know, that is one woman is not enough biologically. Testosterone drops when there's a baby nearby, especially at night. If men hear a baby crying at night, their testosterone drops to extremely low levels, which causes them to be not very healthy. Do you know why that happens? Because their biology is assuming that the mother is not around. So then their biology makes them more beta to take on beta traits so that it makes their father, the father of the baby, more motherly and open to helping the crying child. That's why. So if you want to feel like a woman, you know, feels like a woman. If you want to feel like a woman, have a baby sleep next to you in the middle of the night. You'll feel like a woman real quick with your testosterone dropping. See, it's the responsibility of, you know, see, this is why like in, um, in ancient times, you know, men would have their grand tent where they would live and their wives would have little tents around his tent, basically, so that the baby would not disturb him when he is sleeping. And the baby would sleep with mom and he'd just have one of his other wives who did not have a baby or her children was grown sleep with him instead. And they would trade, basically. 
That's how it worked in ancient times. That's why. Because one woman is not enough biologically. Because huge testosterone drops when babies are nearby. Don't believe me? Look that up. Okay? Here's another thing. Sexual desire itself in a woman drops during pregnancy and postpartum and during breastfeeding due to the high levels of progesterone. The entire process can take years. She's not as sexually available anymore. All the more reason to have another woman in your life to step up. See, these are just some examples to why one woman is not enough biologically for a man. Let's talk about socially. How is one woman not enough socially? So my wife is, um, she's a housewife. Uh, my ESTP wife, who is very masculine, has humbled herself to the level of housewife. I told her at the beginning of our relationship, I never cared if she had a job. It's not important to me. I really don't care. And she got pregnant. She has a baby. And she takes care of the baby by herself in the home while I'm out working or whatever I'm doing. That's what she does. She handles it all on her own. And it's so funny because she actually like had a she had a job. Um, She's working at, at Target, for example. And uh, she ended up quitting her job. Because I remember her going to job, you know, she's she was so sure that, you know, while she was pregnant because of how conditioned and socialized she was, that Railgun told me, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go back to work two weeks after I give birth, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. And, you know, my any hero is like, you're so full of shit and you don't even realize it. And then I remember the first day that she had to go to work. And uh, after, you know, coming off of her two-week maternity leave, guys, two-week maternity leave, that's amazing, you know, in our capitalist bullshit society. And uh, she... All of a sudden, she broke down crying. She couldn't handle it. I don't want to leave my baby. I don't want to leave my baby. Which, you know, is another example of how, you know, one woman is not enough biologically because she's going to put her children above everything else, right? Because that's what they're supposed to be doing biologically. She cried. She couldn't handle it. Well, she ended up quitting her job, like, that day or the following day or very quickly. And then she was happy again, happy to be home with her baby. Okay. It's not like anyone can do that because we require 2.5 adult incomes to uh, support a child. That's ridiculous. So, yeah, you know, that could be a huge, uh, huge problem. But, you know, she's a housewife, humbled to the level of housewife. It's funny, especially when you listen to Ali Wong and uh, her, uh, her uh, I think it's the the baby cobra um, uh a comedy routine on Netflix. She talks about it like, oh, you know, all those feminist girls, they're so stupid. You know, girl, you know, our job used to be having no job. But you out there are like, oh, you know, women's power, women's rights. And now all we work, this sucks. You made my life worse. I didn't have to work before you people. Now I do. Now I'm expected to work. And I can't just be at home raising my children. What the hell? Don't believe me? That's an INTJ woman, by the way. That's a masculine woman saying that. Go watch or listen to her comedy routine. It's a little bit of truth mixed in with the amusement. You might want to check it out for yourself. Ali Wong, A-L-I-W-O-N-G. She's an INTJ. Check it out. Netflix. Now, 
one of the things that my wife has figured out as a result of being a housewife is that housewife is absolutely hard. It's actually harder than having a career. How is it possible that I can, you know, take care of my baby and also meet all of my husband's needs with cooking, cleaning, dealing with the baby and all of his baths and feeding him uh, at his high chair, which gets food on the floor that I have to clean up and breastfeeding and exclusively pumping and then also maintaining my own exercise regimen and measuring my food every day to the calorie to the gram of protein which i expect of her i expect that she does this she's lost 54 pounds as a result and now she's a nice healthy 116 pounds with a goal of being 113 pounds for her height which is five foot five inches and uh, she'll stop at 113 pounds and she will be, you know, she already is bombshell style, but she will be at like her ideal with my standard of beauty as the standard beauty that I expect with the women in my life. I'm not saying all women have to be 113 pounds. It just depends on what I calculate the ideal is based on their height and body type and their genetics and whatnot, which I am heavily researched in. So each one is their own special snowflake, so don't worry. But the point is, is that Having additional women in the home under the roof, guess what? Makes it easier on her to get all of the work done. She can barely keep up, folks. She can barely keep up, but she does. But think about it. All the other mothers out there who don't even measure their food, they're, they're so busy handling everything else right now. And then all of a sudden, because they have to neglect themselves because they're so focused on their baby and potentially focused on their husband, and sometimes they're not even focused on their husband, they let their bodies go even more. And then they just become effing ugly. They become fugly girl, fugly women. They, be, uh, I mean, I think I think that's where all the land monsters in society come from. See what I'm saying? And all that baby weight that they gained, they never lose it. They never lose it for like decades later. I wonder why. You see, you know, it's pretty stressful being a housewife. It's extremely stressful. All the more reason to have one more than one woman under the roof to assist, right? All the more reason. Or all the more reason to help with motherhood. Oh, that's right. Children, like for example, boys, don't finish becoming an actual man until 28 years old when they used to become a man at 15 years old. You know, within uh, Hispanic or Spanish culture, you know, having a quinceanera because that is basically, you know, like uh, 15 years of age. When people, when people are considered to come of age, it's because mentally they come of age at 15 because they have been exposed to all the different psyches of their huge ass families for decades. And they know people even though they're not civilized and don't have an education like the white man is going to force you to do when we come and see them redskins, you know, or whatever. It's such crap. Or just, just watch the movie Avatar and you'll know what I'm talking about. But like the reality of the situation is, is that, you know, those people were far more intellectual, far more brilliant than any of those civilized white folks were, that's for sure, with their nuclear families. Because the tribal family exposes the child to all the different psyches. So the child development is benefiting from the fact that there is not more that there is more than one woman under the roof because all the different psyches of the different women that basically impact the child. And then all of their extended family as well also impacts the child and makes the child stronger. So that by the time they are 15, they are mentally a man. They are mentally a woman. Not in our society where our growth is so stunted that men don't even become men until a minimum of 27, 28 years old. That's ridiculous. That's insanity.
You know, children's brains develop a lot faster when they're around a lot of human beings. You might want to pay attention to that. So, not only that, like, there's multiple mothers under the roof. You got multiple people to breastfeed with. And there's a lot of benefits from a child, uh, you know, wet nursing. Wet nursing itself also allows women to control their fertility. If they have a high, if they're producing a high volume of milk, my wife produces a minimum of 37 ounces of breast milk a day, sometimes upwards of 54 ounces of breast milk. And when a woman has that level of breastfeeding, and they can, some are like, well, you know, I can't produce that much milk. Well, that's probably because you live a very toxic life and you eat toxic food and you have toxic clothes. Get the toxicity away, you might produce some more milk. You know, uh, eat the right things, you might produce some more milk. There's a way you can, you know, in our lifestyles, organic, non-GMO, non any GMO foods not allowed. And sometimes we don't even have wheat. Gluten is not allowed. Wow. You know, we make these basic food choices so that she has the absolute best possible milk. You know, for example, and anyone in my household would have to follow that standard, for example. Okay. That's just the reality of the situation. And they get to, you know, and women who are breastfeeding, for example, under those conditions get to choose when they have their period again, because they keep wet nursing in that process over and over and over, they're not going to get their period for a while, which guess what slows down their aging, they get to have absolute full control over their body fat, their uh, all of their hair, skin and nails is the healthiest it's ever going to be throughout the breastfeeding process. It's fantastic. Okay. And hey, if there are more women under the same roof, who are assisting with that, it takes a lot of stress and pressure off of the mother. Doesn't it? Pretty nice. Another example as to why one woman is not enough socially. And then here's another example. Um, what if there's a family business? Many hands make light work. And those additional hands under the roof, additional women could help make the family business more effective. Or perhaps one of them wanted to start a family business and they would have that kind of support. This is what's talked about in Proverbs chapter 31 in the section under the sayings of, Ken, of King Lemuel, known as the wife of noble character. And part of the wife of noble character, she ain't just some bored out of her mind housewife. Uh-uh. Nope. She's got tons of events going on. She has her own business. She is handling things. And she's got a lot of help to do it. Okay? An example why one woman is not enough socially. But let's look at, you know, economically. One woman is not enough economically either. For example, raising a family costs an average of 2.5 adult incomes. That's reality. Family leads to debt slavery. You know, student loan debt, car loan debt, home loan debt, home equity mortgage loan debt, 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 debt. And debt is a form of slavery. You're already slaves. The fact that your US dollar isn't worth anything and continues to lose value every year just to keep you under control so that you cannot get ahead, so that you cannot produce babies. We're gonna artificially make the resources disappear so that you biologically, automatically produce less children. Because if there was that, if there was actual true prosperity with you know the dollar following the gold standard, for example, that's just an example. It's a weak one, I know, but it's just an example. Don't freak out when I say that. I'm sure there's better examples out there. But, you know, barring the proper example, there's better states that our economy could be in. And prosperity is accessible to all of us. 
But we can't have that because we have to prevent babies from being born. We have to protect against the threat of polygyny. We can't allow that to happen. Family leads to debt slavery in our culture. Economic stress leads to lowered birth rates as designed by the elite. Having multiple women carries the potential for multiple incomes in a family. We're talking about family business. Many hands make light work. Some of them who you know do have some work, even if they're working minimum wage, it still is a huge contribution financially to the family. It still is. And they know that you know at any moment they could get pregnant and then they would no longer be required by their husband or the father of their children to actually work that minimum wage job anymore. So it wouldn't have to be that much of an issue. I'm not saying they can't be like a CEO of a company if they want to. Go ahead. That's fine. As long as they've cleared it with their husband. It's, all, it, it's, it's no issue. Or the man that they're committed to. It's really no issue. So multiple women also protects against poor health situations and liabilities. What happens if the main provider of the home becomes injured? Well, guess what? Many hands make light work and can protect that family. It provides longevity. What happens when certain people get sick? Well, guess what? Other people can pick up the slack. This is what tribal living is all about. This is what it means. Okay? Let's move on to another section here. One woman is not enough psychologically. Not enough psychologically. So experiencing all of the 16 personality types when it comes to you know sexual relationships should be a priority for men. This includes the queen and matron archetypes. For example, a lot of people don't know this. You know, the queen archetype is the archetype that a woman needs to invest in within herself to make herself wife material to a man. If your daughter does not know queen archetype because you don't know queen archetype, you are failing your daughter. You're actually making her life miserable, potentially in the future. You are selling her downriver. You are literally an Uncle Tom selling your own child downriver. And you may as well have just, you know, branded her as cattle owned by the elite, the bourgeoisie of this society, this decadent society. Wow, thank you for condemning your own child. But the reality of the situation is you should be learning how to be queen yourself as a woman. You should also be learning how to teach your daughter how to become queen so that she becomes chosen by her king. And as much as you should be also conditioning and helping your sons become king, as well as pressuring their father to maintain his kingship and also make sure that your princes become kings one day because it is the job of the feminine to challenge the masculine. And then, of course, there's the matron. And, I, and what woman can humble herself to the level of the matron? If a woman, and a woman is a matron because she's an older woman, she's, she's a post-childbearing age, she can no longer produce children. If she's alone because for some reason she has outlived, she has outlived um, you know, her husband and there's no man in her life, well, then I would recommend that matron have sexual relations with younger men, especially men between the ages of 18 and 27 years of age. Because those men, it's not like they're banging, uh, it's not like they're banging uh, women of their own age because the men in their prime are banging those girls. So the matrons should be having sexual relations with those men within 18 to 27, within that 10-year range, basically, so that those men can gain from your matronly wisdom and your advice. Don't believe me? Then I invite you to read the essay written by Benjamin Franklin, one of the forefathers of the United States of America and also an ENTP. The name of the essay is Ben Franklin's advice to a young man on the choice of a mistress. The Mason archetype, if they are alone, they are to become a mistress, basically. 
And then if the uh, if if she is not alone, if the matron archetype is not alone and has a man in her life, well, guess what? My, and who can accept this? Oh my God. But the matron archetype's job is actually to go out there and find other young women for her man. That way she gets decision-making power and he's not just bringing some random bimbo into the house that could potentially put everyone else at risk. She is wise and has family in mind and her children in mind and her husband in mind. And it basically falls onto her to help vet out other women for him and present those women to him in this model. That way the entire family is protected. That is the purpose of the matron archetype and it serves polygyny. Okay, just as much as the queen archetype serves polygyny. All you girls out there, you expect men to serve your hypergamy. Well, guess what? You gotta serve polygyny. Get over yourselves. So experiencing all the 16 types can be a goal for a woman uh, within, uh, within a sexual relationship. So remember folks, we're talking about polygyny here. We're talking about a woman being committed to a man. And the man is committed to her, but he's also committed to other women as well. But that woman cannot have sexual relations with any other man without his express permission, okay? So, and if women wanna have sexual relations with other men, guess what? Those women can go ask their husband permission. It is written, love your wife as Christ loved the church, he who gave himself up for her. Why would your husband not in that polygynous situation, why would he not grant your request to go have sex with another man, potentially? Well, the thing is, is that the reason why you gotta ask your man permission, and which he would be likely to say yes, depends on how many women he has in his life. If he doesn't have enough women, go find other women, present them to him, use your matron archetype energy, present those women to him, okay? so that you can still ask that permission because you know that he's still being taken care of. His needs are being met because you're being a good wife, obviously. His needs are being met, so go meet those needs by finding him other girls, for example, girls that you vet or help vet, that you recommend to him, basically. Ah, stupid, stupid phone. And then as a result of that uh, recommendation, you know, he's more likely to give you permission. But why, why, why should a man give you permission when he has multiple women? Why don't you automatically have permission to have multiple men? Well, because you don't, you don't. Because what happens if you get pregnant and then he's responsible for another man's pregnancy? He's not responsible for another man's child. That's not how it works. Getting permission from another man basically means you're having a conversation with him and he's going to want to know what the details. Are you going to use condoms? Has he been, has his blood been tested? What diseases does he have? Who else is he having sex with? Is he loyal to me? Am I loyal to him? Is he part of my brotherhood? Is he part of my tribe? Is he committed to the success of my family? Am I committed to the success of his family, basically? Is he a guest in our home? You guys ever watch Vikings on the History Channel? Now it's on Amazon uh, Prime. How many times did Floki uh, allow Helga to sleep with the guests of his home? How many times did Ragnar offer Lagatha, his wife, to his priest friend whenever he was visiting their home and stayed the night. Okay, that's where that comes from. Okay, they did it for a lot of reasons. Or or uh, there's another show called C with Jason Momoa in it. It's on Apple Plus right now. 
Bo Lion, who is my favorite female character in uh, the story, uh, she ends up going to another village and going to the sex festival just to have sex with some random person, hoping that she can get pregnant and that baby would ultimately be, you know, raised by the tribe because that baby would bring in new blood. They call it new blood in the tribe to keep the monsters away because they need biodiversity within their tribe. Because otherwise they're inbreeding, and that inbreeding leads to deformities, and they can't have that. So over time, you kind of got to invite some external factors. But ultimately, because it's the man's responsibility, and those children are the man's responsibility, because he's supposed to be providing protection, provisioning, and parental investment to meet, you know, the beta side of female hypergamy, for example, because he's required to, you know, provide that. He needs to know whether or not a child is going to be coming as a result of one of his wives having sexual relations with one of his close friends, which can be very beneficial. I wonder if one of those situations would actually help them close a business deal. Huh. Don't tell me that happens. Have you not heard of the greatest uh, polyamory ring and uh, that's, that's the biggest in the world? It's in Seattle. Look it up. It's documented. One woman is not enough psychologically. A man should be able to experience any potential of the 16 types that he's compatible with, even not compatible with. He should not be limited in any way. And it's not that, you know, women's sexuality is being limited per se. If he's got enough women and she asks for permission and all of those conditions are being met, of course he's going to give her permission. Of course he will. Of course, that's just reality. If he has if he has abundance and his wives are seeking to increase his abundance, of course he'd be willing to share. NI users need to learn how to ask and SI users need to learn how to share. That's pretty natural. That's pretty normal. That way, you know, everyone can experience all the 16 types and male polygyny is uh, being respected and Female hypergamy is also being respected in that situation. That way, everyone can have their sexual strategy and be happy. It's not that hard, folks. You just have to get over your stupid ego investments. You got to get over your pride. You got to get over your little possessiveness. God, it's so annoying when SE inferior women get so possessive or even SE child women get so possessive because they're so afraid because they're, they're NJs and NJs are so afraid of abandonment, you know? So afraid of rejection, they can't they can't allow their ego investments or their pride, you know, get out of the way. They just really can't because they're incapable of humbling themselves. And humbling themselves is actually what makes them beautiful as NJ women. Maybe they should consider humbling themselves because the ultimate act of humility that a woman can prove to a man is when she finds another woman and recommends that woman to her man. That's the ultimate act of humility. That is the ultimate act that proves beauty. This is why it is written. Remember the wife of your youth. May her breasts always satisfy you. This biblically implies that the expectation is, is that men would have multiple women in their lives and to not forget their first love, for example, because obviously she'd be the oldest, but she's also the wisest, for example. And all the more reason why the matron archetype still has its sexuality. Sexual, and if they're alone, they have sexual relations with younger men and or their husbands can still enjoy them to the day they die.
and they potentially bring in new women for him. It's just whether or not you SE users can get over your jealousy or whether or not you NE users can get over your envy. I don't know, but perhaps you should if you actually want to be a humble woman so that you can actually be beautiful to your man to the point where he would be committed to you indefinitely and you would never have to worry. And then effectively, the sisterhood under your own roof would also be there to protect you and benefit you on a daily basis. I guarantee you that environment you know, it's really stressful to have to manage your own jealousy and it's really stressful for you to have to manage your own envy. When you choose an environment like that and let go of your envy and let go of your jealousy, guess what's gonna happen? You're not gonna have any stress in your life at all. Many hands make white work. So, let, uh, let me state that uh, poly relationships are already the standard. They are already the standard. I, I know how I talked about in past episodes, you know, like we're going to see this within two to two and a half years, but I had a wake up call uh, recently and it literally was a phone call and it was a very fascinating phone call that I never, I never imagined I would ever get. And this happened uh, about two weeks ago. My son, my 10 year old, my INFJ 10 year old called me and it was a very profound conversation. He called me and he was telling me about how he has two girlfriends. Now, my son is not around me enough for him to listen to some of these things that I teach because I've never taught him any of this. I've never really talked to him about any of this because he doesn't watch my YouTube channel and uh, nor would he care. Trust me, he's just a 10 year old. And I and I've never even taught him about this. He he did this naturally because it's part of his culture. It's kind of interesting down in California, you know what I'm saying? But the reality of the situation is, is he told me this. Dad, I got two girlfriends. And I'm like, what do you mean you got two girlfriends? You don't even know what girlfriend means. Well, he explained it to me. He knows what it means. He does. One's name is Autumn. One's name is uh, Paisley. Paisley is an ESTP and Autumn is an INFP. I find that fascinating. He's an INFJ. He's got a silver pair and a super mega high camaraderie uh, pair. But, you know, when they're young like that, camaraderie types end up uh, getting romantically involved. Very fascinating. So my own son and his age group are already living this way, folks. Y'all are dinosaurs. It's coming. It's already here. We already discussed the Seattle polyamory chain. And don't forget, folks, like polygyny, you know, there's there's two different aspects of polygyny. There's polyamory, which is the beta side, where men are okay with being cucked, or it's uncontrolled cucking, basically, versus polygamy, which is the alpha side, where men give permission to the women as to whether or not they can have sexual relations with another man. That it's with his permission, basically. But he always has veto power, and sometimes he has to negotiate on behalf of one of his wives with a specific man that she is asking uh, permission. Or in some cases, he may just offer her to one of his friends and ask her if she'd be interested in. Who knows? Stranger things happen. But folks, my son is pure evidence to the contrary of your precious bullshit nuclear family society. It is gone. It is over. The next generation is already living this way. And they already think it's normal. Wake up. I didn't put him up to it. He did it all on his own.
your days are numbered. If you're not like if you're not, if you're not willing to live this life, well, you can enjoy all those stats and become a dog mom or a cat mom, a horse mom, you know, or you can fall in and realize that maybe you should humble yourself. Maybe. All right, I gotta address the Christians. For the Christians out there, I guarantee you that your wives hope very hard that they do not have to stay with just you for eternity. This whole idea that you're going to still be married to each other because you found the one and you're believing the soulmate myth, you know, and, and you're going to die and both be in heaven and whatnot. I guarantee you that your wife's hypergamy definitely, after being married to you for 20, 30, 40 years, is hoping that they do not have to be with you for eternity. Well, guess what, folks? Marriage, how it is here on earth, is not how it is in the kingdom of heaven. For it is written, For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they are like the angels in heaven. Pay attention. Still don't believe me? Book of Proverbs, chapter 5. Let your foundation be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. So this really ends up begging the question. Those of you who are still living this life within this society, those of you who are buying into the soulmate myth, those of you that are still buying into monogamy, although you can live monogamously if you want, just recognize you're going to have a harder life economically. You're going to have a life of more stress. Realize that uh, you're just going to be more unhappy than the rest of everyone else. And you're also a dying breed that will not exist in very short order because monogamy is dead. It is over. It's over. But it begs the question, for those of you who still buy into the soulmate myth, who still buy into this nuclear family lifestyle, whether or not you're willing to accept it or not, let me ask you, what do you men actually get out of being in a committed relationship with a woman? Let me ask you women, what do men get out of, get out of a, being in a sexual relationship committed to you that they can't get from any other woman? Answer me. Reality is nothing. They don't get anything. We live in a society where we have dishwashers. We have washers. We have dryers. We have microwaves. We have... I, I really like my new Oscar oven that I just got for myself recently. It's amazing. I don't need to wait on a woman to cook for me. I can cook for myself and do it very easily. Actually, more efficiently and faster than my outcome wife because I'm movement. And I can get my food in my belly a lot faster, right? Because food is not as much of a priority for me, right? Being married, especially in a monogamous situation, statistically leads to lack of sex, low-quality sex, non-enthusiastic sex, which, guess what, folks, is becoming the new definition of rape. To the point where in certain areas within the United States of America, if a woman claims that she didn't have enthusiastic sex with you, that automatically counts as rape and then you're a sex offender for the rest of your life and you potentially go away to jail as well. Wow. As a rapist, 
all because uh, I didn't have an, I didn't enthusiastically have sex with him. He did not satisfy the alpha side of my uh, uh, hypergamy, so that's automatically rape. Great, great. What what an amazing society. You know, because women, they don't have to compete anymore when you give them a ring. They don't have to compete. They get to check out of the sexual marketplace, right? So, hey, you know, I'm getting married. I can let my body go. I don't have to compete with anyone anymore. It's all good, you know. I'm just going to get fat, and I don't have to have as much sex as I used to. I was really into that hot uh, spider monkey sex before because of all the sexual tension that we had. Tension because he may not pick me. But now that I know that he's picked me, I don't have to do that anymore. Great. Great. That's, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, but if you have multiple women underneath one roof, they have to compete with each other for your attention. They got to compete with each other for your desire, which makes sure that there is always frequency and availability of sex, which means it's always going to be enthusiastic, which means none of them are going to let their body go and they'll criticize each other if they do. You don't have to do anything. The female space is in, within your home and it is managing itself and for your benefit as a man. What a life, right? What a life. If the younger generation is already living their life like this, and if you're a man and you're basically, you know, like, I don't know, just turning 30 in your late 20s up to my age, just wait till you're in your prime. All those women are already be pre-programmed to accept a poly-related relationship. So all the women that you're supposedly committed to right now, you don't have to be necessarily committed to anymore because the next generation of women are already pre-primed to live this way. Congratulations. You got it a lot better than your father had it or your grandfather had it. You got options, men. You got a lot more options than you knew you had. And there's nothing more terrifying to a woman than a man who is aware of his sexual options, who is aware of his own value. There's nothing more terrifying. So that's what I'm doing. I'm exposing to you men out there to realize that you're going to have a really nice heyday in the very near future. When you hit your prime, mm -hmm, go for it. Because there's nothing they won't be able to stop you. No one will be able to stop you. Certainly not the elite. The elite who fears polygyny more than all. More than anything. So men, what is the bottom line? What is the bottom line? It's just not possible for one woman to satisfy one man. It's not. It's not possible. You need to understand that. Especially, you know, if you're in your prime or after your prime. I know a man who's 50, out of his prime, but he's still screwing a woman who's 20 years younger than him. I know a man who's 60, same thing. That's a thing. And they got multiple girls. The 50-year-old, he's banging at least six different girls simultaneously right now. It don't matter. And he may or may not have children with one or each of them. This is normal. Okay, And he has gone out of his way to make himself a high-value man in almost every regard. And as long as you are committed to being a high-value man, as long as you are committed to uh, continuous improvement and putting yourself above the tribe and being masculine, these are the rewards you will reap. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Ladies, show some respect. If a man chose to marry you, 
or be committed to you and just you, in spite of all of these facts that men actually kind of already know, facts about how one woman is not enough, then you better repent and humble yourself because the fact is none of you deserve him. All you women out there who are in monogamous relationships with these men who are married to you, you don't deserve them. That's true because the reality of the situation is it is actually impossible for you to give more to him than he can give to you. And you are getting way more out of your relationship than he is. That's a fact. So I suggest you show him some respect and I suggest you humble yourself while you still can because the day is coming. The day is coming. Don't forget a woman turns 18 and turns 21 every single day. I suggest you humble yourself because your day of reckoning is coming. Mark my words. What do men actually get out of being in a committed monogamous relationship? Hmm? What can a man get only from you that he cannot get from any other woman? The answer really is nothing. It's nothing. That's a fact. Show some respect and humble yourself. Repent. If you want to have a future, if you don't want society to collapse, if you don't want your children to be treated like cattle by the elite, then it starts with you. Men, I expect you to hold yourself to a higher standard and be open to having additional women in your life. And women, I suggest you hold yourself to a higher standard. Put tribe above self. Be feminine. Men, put self above tribe. Be masculine. To do so, and if you decide to do so, we will end fatherlessness together. And then the prophecy at the end, the final verses of the New Testament may not come true after all. For it is written, In the last days I will send my prophet Elijah to you, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their sons and the hearts of sons to their fathers. But if not, then I will strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. If we do not end fatherlessness, we will lose the earth itself. Mark my words. Thanks for watching, folks. I'll see you guys tonight.